Thank you, Mary Catherine. I'm, uh, I'm in some ways, I'm glad that you started uh, a little bit too early on that because it brings us to something really important. It says, don't trust in princes. Don't trust in political leaders to save you or to, to make you safe, but to rather trust in the Lord who works eternally. I think that's an important word for us to remember. It's very easy to get distracted and or dismayed one way or the other by whoever happens to be in political leadership at one point in time. And what the psalmist is reminding us of is that God is in charge. God is the one that we ought to be paying attention to and, and listening to so and, and, and looking to for guidance. So, so be neither overjoyed nor dismayed by, uh, by the work of, uh, uh, of our leadership. Oh, there it is. Sorry, I was just looking for my remote uh, on my phone. I lost it for a second there. Oh. Something isn't working properly. Sorry about that. So we're talking about good church and bad church today, if we want to go to the first slide. And, um, and, I, and as we're talking about this, um, oh, no, I'm in the wrong spot. Uh-oh. Something weird. Oh, okay. Oh, that's bad. Okay. So don't worry about it. Um, so this is what happened. Um, normally I have Keynote on my phone, which allows me to control things from here, but for some reason Keynote is no longer on my phone because uh, my iPhone updated over the night while I was asleep and kicked off one of my programs. So I need to go get that and then we will be ready to go. But but we can start anyway if you want to throw up a slide. We're talking about good church, th bad church this week and we're... Um, and uh, I'm going to ask, uh, I'm going to, you, you, JB's bringing it up on his phone. Okay, good. Um, so we're talking about good church, bad church this week. And, and, and this is important for us because we want to be a good church. And we understand that there are good churches and there are bad churches. And we understand that, 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 uh, that every church is good and bad at some points in time. And also we understand that, that oh, thank you. Also, we understand that, that the world has opinions and expectations of what they think church ought to be. People are looking at us and saying, this, is a ch this church is doing what churches ought to do. This church is not doing what churches ought to do. And, and, and we ought to be clear in our own minds whether or not those expectations are fair or not, right? It, it, there's no point in us, in us following the whims of the world or trying to please everyone. We need to understand who we are and why we're here, what is the purpose of church. Um, because people have these ideas. Are we, are we helping the poor? Are we supporting the proper political candidate? And they have uh, expectations of who we are, and we need to make sure that we're clear. And, and what we've done for the last two weeks is we've tried to establish what church is. And, and, and week one, we talked about how the church always refers to people. We're not talking about, about buildings. We're not talking about organizations or, 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 or hierarchies or cultures or subcultures. Or We're talking about people gathered, called out, the ecclesia, the people gathered and called out, um, uh, called out and gathered for, for Christ's purposes. And this is a very important distinction for us to make because we're not talking about denominational organizations. We're not talking about political organizations. We're not even talking about something that a lot of people have been paying a lot of attention to in my world this week and have been a couple of people have asked my opinion on is is the Christian blogosphere, and if you don't didn't know that a Christian blogosphere existed, good by all that is probably the safest place to be. But 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 someone asked my opinion on who controls the Christian blogosphere, and I said I do not care one whit. In my mind, honestly, probably Satan, just because I think Satan controls most blogs. I don't think you should read any of them. But that's Dan speaking, not the Lord. Um, 
But I don't think that the, that's not the church. When we're talking about the Christian, the, when we're talking about the, uh, the Christian blogosphere, we're talking about something that is not the church. We're talking about a man-made subculture. The church always refers to people. The church always refers to cosmic people with a cosmic purpose. We are gathered and gathered for things. We're gathered for life. We're gathered to support each other. We're gathered against things. We're gathered against injustice done in the world and lies being told to people. And we are one with, with other people across time, across geography, across ethnicity, across gender, across class and status. And we see the truth that all of us are in need of and all of us are created with equal dignity. Okay, So we're a cosmic people with a cosmic purpose. Okay, And now we're going to talk about commission because as a church we have been given a series of tasks we have been given things that we ought to do and we ought to know what they are in order to determine what we should do and also more importantly we ought to know what we've been been commissioned so to, so as to determine what we ought not to do and it's easy to to lose track and and, 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 and of what is important and what we've been called to do when I was uh, a very new pastor. So, uh, denominate uh, my first church. I was I was supposed to go to some new pastors training, and as part of this, and this was 2005, I think, um, I was supposed to uh, write an assignment, uh, like a 10-page paper on a critical issue facing the church over the next decade. And and uh, and I and I wrote mine. This was 2005. I wrote mine about uh, the 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 uh, about the biblical response to, to to sexual difference. That's what I I wrote it, and I I probably said a whole bunch of dumb things. But anyway, I, that's what I wrote in 2005. But the rest of the pastors at this thing, um, who were very nice people, wrote about, one person wrote about the, the critical issue facing the church over the next 10 years was whether it was biblical to accept those who had been baptized by a different mode of baptism into associate membership. Okay, so it, his church only allowed people into membership if they had been baptized by full immersion. So the critical question facing the church over the next 10 years was whether or not they were going to allow people who had not been baptized in that specific way into a secondary level of membership. What a, like, I ended up feeling bad for this person because I'm like, why, if you think that that's the critical issue facing the church over the next 10 years, we're in for a rough 10 years. And you are not going to be ready to face the things that are actually going on. And not only that, my paper took me at least 45 minutes to do. Um, but it took me a long time and a lot of work. And I'm like, this person invested this much energy into this silly a topic? So it's so easy for us to get distracted. Then we need to, so we're going to go through the commissions that are given to us in Scripture. And, and, and we're going to try and... and, and find some sort of cohesive uh, commission for us. So we're just going to use the gospel. Uh, we're going to use the gospel commission. So all of the gospels have a commission where Jesus says, this is what you are supposed to do. And there's, there's questions about them. Luke's isn't actually in Luke because Luke and Acts are kind of one big book. So Luke's actually appears in the, in the first chapter of the book of Acts. John's is a little bit... Uh, a little bit diffused because it's it's distributed over a whole bunch of books and we'll talk about that later but we're going to look at these uh and this is my uh so so some of this is dan's own scholarly opinion on what the commission commissions are so this is from matthew 28 everybody agrees on this one then the 11 disciples went into galilee to the mountain where jesus had told them to go 
And when they saw him, they worshiped him, but some doubted. So this is after Jesus' resurrection. This is Jesus about to ascend into heaven. And there are some that worship and some that are like, I don't know about this thing. Like he rose from the dead and he's about to ascend into heaven. But I don't know if I'm in on that. Um, so don't be surprised that there's people who are of mixed opinions. Then Jesus came to them and said, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. So that's the Matthew Commission. We're going to go to the Mark Commission. Now, there's some questions about this. We can go over that in one of the Thursday Bible studies. But for, uh, for the sake of this, this is the, the commissioning. And this is at the end of Mark 16. So again, as he's about to ascend into heaven, he said to them, go into all the world and preach the gospel to all creation. Whoever believes and is baptized will be saved, but whoever does not believe will be condemned. And these signs will accompany those who believe. In my name, they will drive out demons. They will speak in new tongues. They will pick up snakes with their hands. And when they drink deadly poison, it will not hurt them at all. They will place their hands on people who are ill and they will get well. So if you ever wonder where the snake handler stuff comes from, this is where it comes from. I'm not going to pull out a box of snakes, but just so you know, this is the part of the commission. Okay, so that's Mark's commission. Uh, Acts. So this is Acts is the second part of the book of Luke. So that you could say that this is Luke's as well. On one occasion, while he was eating with them, he gave them this command, do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my father promised, which you have heard me speak about. For John baptized with water, but in a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. And then they gathered round him and asked him, Lord, are you at this time going to restore the kingdom to Israel? And he said to them, it is not for you to know the times or the dates that the Father has set by his own authority, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. So that's Luke's commission and John's. This is what I believe John's commission is, and we will, uh, again, we, I'll, we'll discuss this further, but this is a situation in John, uh, John where Jesus brings... Peter back into the fold. And Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? Yes, Lord. He, Peter, said, you know that I love you. Jesus said, feed my lambs. And again, Jesus said, Simon, son of John, do you love me? And he answered, yes, Lord, you, you know that I love you. And Jesus said, take care of my sheep. And the third time he said to him, Simon, son of John, do you love me? And Peter was hurt because Jesus had asked him the third time, do you love me? And he said, Lord, you know all things. You know that I love you. Jesus said, feed my sheep. Okay? So that's not everything. It's not every commission. It's not everything that we've been instructed to do. But I think that these are going to help guide our attention and our talk as we go forward. Um, uh, because we're going to talk about the ingredients of our commission. And, and, and the first ingredient of the commission that I think that we can get from these combined statements about what Jesus called us to do is to go to the whole world. That's the first thing that we've been called to do, to go to the whole world. And this echoes back to Genesis 12 when God first calls Abraham and says, get up and leave your household and go into the land that I will show you. We are called to bravely explore and commanded to bravely explore the world and to not treat the world with fear. Now, this is hugely important for us as a church because there are those who view the church, both inside the church and in the world, as a place of escape. 
that, that I gather here because I want to escape from the very confusing and scary world out there. And I gather here because I, I, want, to, I want to be reminded of things that are safe and good and wholesome and nice and things that make me feel comfortable and safe. That is not what we're called to do at all. This is not a place of escape. A better way to understand what we've been called to do is that this is a base of operations from which we can impact the world into which we have been sent. Okay? We are not retreating and we are not fearful. We see Paul talk about this in, 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 in 2 Corinthians when he says, he talks about his own ministry of going out into the entire Gentile world and he says, we are hard pressed on every side but not crushed, perplexed but not in despair, Persecuted but not abandoned, struck down but not destroyed. The first ingredient of our commission is to go, and to go despite anything that will happen to us because it is the command of God and because we are equipped to do it. We need to get out of the mentality that the world has and that we can have that this is a place where we save ourselves from all of the scary things in the world. It's not what we've been called to do. We've been sent out. We are to go. We are, we are commissioned to go to the whole world. But we don't just go. We don't just kind of wander around being like, okay, what are we going to do? We go in power. And this is really important as well. Because the reason why we are not fearful in this world is because we have been given power and authority. And this is difficult for us to wrap our heads around for a couple of reasons. One, because it's just difficult to, to think of ourselves as powerful people for a variety of reasons. And this power is not ours, but, but God has given us a task, okay? He's given us a task to go into the whole world, and we're going to talk about what he wants us to do there. But he's given us a task, and because he's given us a task, he's given us tools with which to do that task, right? If you're going to give someone a job, you need to give them the tools with which to do that job. If I was going to ask my son to sweep the floor, and he said, okay, I'll sweep the floor, where's the broom? Oh, you don't have one of those. I don't know, I guess you're going to kick it around with your feet or you're going to try and like scrape it with your hands and you know, like I, I need to get, if I'm going to give him a job, I need to give him the tools and the training with which to do that job. It would be cruel not to provide those tools. So that's why we've been given this power. But this power makes us uncomfortable sometimes because we're very polite and I follow this, uh, fall into this too because we're very polite and we're very Canadian, and we want to be small and retiring, and the whole power and authority given to us, and we, we, want, to, we want to shrink back from, uh, we want to shrink back from that idea of power, but, G but we have been given power and authority through Jesus to do what he has called, to do, called us to do, and there's a couple of reasons it's uncomfortable, but also we don't feel it. I'm going to wager that most of you, like me, don't feel powerful most of the time as I walk out into the world. I don't walk out into the streets of Edmonton and say, I have been given all power and authority through Jesus to do everything that he has called me to do. I feel weak and I feel small. And the world, I, I, I feel put upon. And the world has, is bombarding us constantly with messages that are telling us to be afraid of the world. Be afraid of the government. Be afraid of immigrants. Be afraid of Hollywood. Be afraid of, if you go back through the history of all of the things that I've been told to be afraid of since I was a child, be afraid of the Soviets. Be afraid of Hollywood. Be afraid of the gays. Be afraid of the Chinese. Be afraid of, be afraid of Henry Kissinger. Be afraid of Ronald Reagan. Be, right? Like, this a huge swath of things that we're supposed to be afraid of. But we're not supposed to do that. In the midst of this, God is saying to us, don't be afraid. I have given you power and authority. 
We have power, and it's not ours, but we've been given it because we've been given a task. We've been given tools, and we've been given power, and we need to step into that power and authority. And this is something that I'm very convicted of as well. I'm still learning this. I am, I'm very confident and powerful right here in this, like, 20-square-foot thing. When I stand here with a Bible and a microphone in my hand, I feel very powerful and very confident. I don't feel as powerful and confident in other places. When I step out off this stage and I have to deal with someone who is coming to me with a broken down life and saying, how does Jesus possibly make a difference here? I don't feel as confident there, but I ought to. I ought to feel as powerful and you ought to feel as powerful as well. And the, the clearest example that came to mind with this might seem silly uh, to a lot of us, but, but and it is silly, but it's, but it's, but it's still true. Um, when we're talking about not living in the power in which we have, I don't know about you guys, but I've been watching uh, a lot of hockey over the last little while, probably more hockey than is healthy. And the most common thing that I think that Teddy has, has heard me yell at the television, more so even than, than yelling at the, the referees to, to do their job in a way that I would appreciate, um, is me yelling at the TV, Connor, shoot! Because in my mind, Connor McDavid doesn't shoot enough. He's like, oh, well, I'm gonna go, he's like, I'm in a perfect position to shoot and I'm the best player on the planet, but I'm gonna pass it over to you to make you feel better about yourself. And so many times I'm saying, Connor, you're just the best player on the planet, just do what you're supposed to do. But he's not ready for that, he's young, he's growing into it. How many times is God looking at us saying, shoot! Do what I have called you to do. You don't realize how much power you have. You don't realize how much you've been given. You don't realize how much good you can do in this world. And you're acting as if you're small and you're insignificant and as if you're not the best player on the team when that is exactly what you are. All of us need to step into that a little bit more to jump in and say, I'm going to take this shot. Not because I'm so good and I'm so effective. Not because I'm so amazing. But because God has equipped me to do this. To make a difference in the world. So we go into the world. And we go into the world in power. And now it gets a little bit complicated. Because there's a variety of things and wordings for what we've been called to do. We've been called to make disciples. We've been called to preach the gospel and proclaim it. We've been called to, to go make witnesses. To, sorry, to be witnesses to what Jesus has done. And these are all different things. And, 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 and they're very different things. When we talk about making disciples, we're talking about making apprentices. We're talking about, about, about taking people out of their lives and training them to live in an entirely different way. When we talk about being witnesses, it's much more to the opposites of the spectrum of invasiveness, where, we, where our job as witnesses is to say, look, whatever you feel or whatever you've seen, this is what I've seen. This is what happened to me, and that's the job of a witness. And then in the middle is to proclaim the very specific good news of who Jesus is, to, to proclaim that, that God is powerful, that, that Jesus intervened, and, and his life, death, and resurrection makes a difference for now and for eternity. Those are three different things, and it's easy to get bogged down in the differences and to separate them, to, to play off the making of disciples against the proclamation of the gospel, or, or to play off the making of disciples against being witnesses. But the reality is all of these th three things are are, are true. So rather than separate them, let's try and put them together. Because I think what we can't agree on in the, the, is the, the ingredients of our, of our commission is to communicate truth. We live in a world that is 
that is filled with lies. Lies about who we are, lies about who other people are, lies about what is going to make us happy, lies about what is going to make us complete. And it's our job in the midst of those lies to communicate truth, to tell people the truth about who we are, to tell ourselves the truth about who we are and why we're here. Our job is to communicate truth and to communicate the truth that has been shared with us. We're not geniuses who have, who have, who have discovered this idea and now we have to share it with the world. We need to com we need, we're communicating the truth that, is share that has saved us and that has been shared with us. But it's not merely about communicating truth. It's also about communicating truth that transforms. Because it's not just about people hearing our words. We ought to expect that as people hear the message and the truth that we're giving, that, that, that we ought to expect and hope and work towards changing people, to moving people from who they are to who they ought to be in Christ, to move all of us as humans from a position of hoarding to a position of giving, from, from being bitter and angry at the world to, to being compassionate to the world around us, moving at its most basic from a position of fear to a position of love. And, and, and in that, communicating that truth, if we're asking it to transform, it's not just about what we say, but how we say it. And making sure that we communicate the truth in a way that can be heard by people who desperately need to hear it. There's a and I'm, I'm, I'm going to abandon, I think, all social media completely because it's just not good for me. You should do what you do, but, but for me, it's not a healthy thing. But I often have people share with me um, articles by kind of a, a Christian writer, and I don't want to say his name because I don't want you to Google it. So anyway, but this is a guy who's he's a little bit right-wing, but he claims to be Christian. He's a lot right-wing, but he claims to be Christian. And people share his stuff with me, and it's frustrating because I agree with a lot of what he says. He talks a lot about personal responsibility. He talks about like uh, about d taking responsibility for actions. He talks about the, the 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 inability of government to be completely effective at changing people's lives. I agree with what he says, but he's one of the most terrible humans on the planet. And everything that he says, even when he's right, just communicates absolute disdain for anyone that disagrees with him. And I want to say like a bad word that I shouldn't say in polite company about what he is, but that's what he is. He's just an awful human. And it's frustrating because he's right, but it doesn't matter. And even though he's right, the way he communicates that rightness makes me want to change my mind. So it's not just about saying the right things. It's about communicating in a way that can actually be heard, that, that rather than denigrates people, that builds them up and transforms them, to communicate the truth of Jesus, who we are, why we're here, the forgiveness and salvation that's been given to us. It's about saying that in a way that actually moves and helps to transform people, that, that, that builds them up rather than destroys because it's not only about truth. There's lots of people that say the right things, but if you say the right thing in the wrong way, it renders your truth null and void. Paul often talks about, uh, about how he, w he wishes to not speak in a way that robs the cross of its power. That and that's one of the most frightening things that I, as somebody who stands with a microphone and a Bible, can hear. That there's a way that I can speak that robs the cross of its power. It's not just about what we say, it's about how we say it.
And we ought to communicate the truth of Jesus, who we are and why we're here, the forgiveness and the salvation given, and the belief that in Jesus this transformation is possible. So as we talk about good church, bad church, and, and, and we recognize that these are, are, are the basic ingredients of our commission, that we are to go into the world. We are to go into the world in power. We are to go into the world and communicate truth that transforms. It's fair for us to ask ourselves these questions and to say, okay, are we on the good or the bad side of this? Are we going or are we retreating? Are we as an individual church, as we as followers of Jesus, are we going into the world bravely and communicating what God has called us to? Or are we retreating and expecting that this church is going is to reinforce the things that make us feel safe and comfortable? Because we know what we've been called to. Are we going in power? Are we going in confidence knowing that God is at work in this world, that he has not abandoned it, that, that, that even though we will face trouble in this world, that he has overcome the world, even though uh, that, that, that there is nothing that we ought to be afraid of, that we don't fear those who can destroy the body, but the one who can destroy both body and soul in hell? Are we going in confidence or are we going in fearfulness? Are we get making a list of all of the people who are different of us and different than us and who think differently than us and saying like, oh, we need to be scared of those people? The world is the world is just going downhill. The world is going in an awful, awful place. Are we are we in, are we living in confidence or are we living in fearfulness? And when we communicate truth, are we one communicating truth? Are we saying the right things? Are we telling people lies that if you follow Jesus that your life is just going to be perfect and all of the, the money and, and abundance of the universe is just going to flow to your pockets? Are we telling people lies? Or are we telling people the truth that, that we've been given the opportunity to have life and life abundant and that our priorities are going to change as we follow Jesus? And also, are we communicating truth that builds people up? Or are we communicating truth in a way that destroys them? Are we telling them the truth about Jesus and makes, in a way that makes them feel so separate and far apart from that that they couldn't ever imagine themselves following Jesus? This, and I've told this story before, but it's important to me. When I was working at Starbucks, I worked with a guy named Brendan. Uh, Brendan was my manager. He was a great guy. Brendan was a, a, a gay man. And, um, and I'm not, I don't have a popular public, opi public opinion on, on the... Uh, on, on sexuality outside uh, marriage. But Brendan was a guy that loved stories of the Bible, and he got fascinated by them. And, and, he, and, uh, and he came at it with like a childlike simplicity. I mean, he, he once read a, he read a story about the Ethiopian eunuch, and, and he didn't know what a eunuch was. He thought the a eunuch was like, a myth, uh, like some sort of mythological creature, like Mr. Tumnus from, uh, from Narnia. So I had to explain that to him, but... As we, and he would just ask me these questions because he didn't grow up with it and he was just fascinated with this world. And, and, uh, and one time he said to me one of the saddest things that I ever heard. And he said, I think I would like to, to follow Jesus and be a Christian, but I can't because I'm gay. That was one of the saddest things I've ever heard. Because I don't, again, I don't have, uh, uh, like he wouldn't have, anyway. I don't know how to put this. I don't, I don't have the, 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 I have a pretty traditionalist view of sexuality in a lot of ways, but I'm also open to the fact that, that, that God cares more about, there's more, there's more important things to God about Brendan than, than who he happened to be attracted to. And it was really sad that, to me that we lived in a world where Brendan thought that his, his, his the, 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 the gender of the people that he was attractive to excluded him 
from the kingdom of God and from the love of God. It's a frustrating world to be in. Does the truth we're communicating build or does it destroy? Ask yourself these questions. Ask ourselves these questions if we're following the ingredients of the commission well because the stakes are high and the opportunities are great. We were reading this week in one of our Bible studies how God, is say, how, how God says the, the, harvest is, the, the fields are ripe for harvest and the workers are few. Pray that God will send workers out in the harvest. We're the workers, guys. It's us, first and foremost. It's not just about other people. It's about us. So are we going to step into an Edmonton that is ripe for a harvest for Jesus? Let's pray together. God. We want to be a good church. We want to be good at being people who are gathered to do what you've called us to do. So we ask that you would give us the courage to go. You would help us to choose love over fear. And that you would, and that you would make us wise to communicate your truth in a way that people can hear it and be transformed by it. This is not an easy task, God. This is not a, a, a task that will be accomplished without work and without risk and without resources, but we trust that you have given us everything that we need, and we also trust that this story ends with your victory. So we know that there are no setbacks that we will face that will be eternal. So God, we ask that you would fill us with your confidence, fill us with your grace, and fill us with your peace as we go to, to, to work out your commission in the world to which you've called us. We ask this in the name of your son, Jesus. Amen.